Welcome to today's SNEB webinar sponsored by the Nutrition Education for Children Division. My name is Rachel Dager and I'm the Executive Director of SNEB. Uh, some housekeeping to get us started. If you look in the GoToWebinar tool panel, uh, the handout for today's presentation is there for you to download and follow along. We will take questions at the end of the presentation, so please type those in the question block uh, so we can moderate the, the questions to our presenter. And then watch for a survey when I close the webinar. Um, that'll pop up, and we appreciate your feedback on this session, as well as always appreciate ideas for future webinars. And then watch for your email follow-up. We'll try to get that out by the end of the day tomorrow. Uh, the email will include the recording that we're making, uh, the handout for today, as well as your CEU certificate. Uh, so I will turn things over to our moderator today. Dr. Rachel Vomler is Associate Professor, Family and Consumer Sciences Program Director at Bradley University. She's also the Chair of the Nutrition Education for Children's Division. Thanks, Rachel. I'm happy uh, to welcome Dr. Brianne Bruins. Uh, she's a grants officer at the University of Ottawa Heart Institute and an adjunct professor with the Child Health and Physical Activity Lab at Western University in Canada. She has over five years of experience researching physical activity and sedentary behavior in early childhood with specific expertise in promoting healthy movement behaviors in childcare settings. Her research with Dr. Trish Tucker at Western is focused on providing more comprehensive training to pre-service early childhood educators in this area. So she is going to tell you a little bit more about herself and then get started in the presentation. Awesome. Thank you. I will just share my screen here and we'll get things going. All righty. All right, so hello everyone. Thanks so much for the introduction, Rachel. Um, as she said, my name is Brianne Bruins and my presentation today will focus on promoting healthy movement behaviors in early childhood education settings. All right, so first I would like to start off with a brief land acknowledgement. So I acknowledge that Western University is situated on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabek, Haudenosaunee, Anapewak and Adirondack Nations. I would also like to note that I have no conflict of interest to disclose. And just a little overview before I get going. Um, so after going over my background information, I'll give you an overview of movement behaviors in the early years and describe the role of the childcare environment in promoting healthy movement behaviors. Then I'll give concrete examples of how we can promote more movement in ECE settings, and then I will conclude the presentation with some takeaway messages. So a little more about myself. So after completing my undergraduate training in physical education at Brock University in Canada, I completed both a master's and a doctoral degree at Western University in London, Ontario, under the supervision of Dr. Trish Tucker. My graduate research is focused on the role of the childcare setting in promoting young children's healthy movement behaviors with a specific focus placed on early childhood educators. For my doctoral dissertation, I helped develop a four module e-learning course in physical activity and sedentary behavior for early childhood educator candidates completing their post-secondary training. 
And this course was designed to supplement the existing college curriculum, as we had found previously that early childhood educators in Canada receive very little training in these areas. After defending my PhD late last year, I moved into a research admin role at the University of Ottawa Hart Institute, where I now work as a grants officer. In this role, I help support clinicians and scientists develop competitive grant applications and award nominations to secure research funding. I was also recently appointed as an adjunct professor at Western University, where I'm continuing some research with Dr. Tucker in the Child Health and Physical Activity Lab, as we are planning to launch the e-learning course I helped develop in over 20 colleges across Canada later this year. So I'll start off with a brief introduction about movement behaviors in the early years. Engaging in regular physical activity in early childhood can encourage healthy development by strengthening children's bones, muscles, heart, and lungs, improving their flexibility and balance, helping them maintain healthy body weights, and increasing their energy levels. Cognitive benefits in physical activity include improving their brain functioning, academic performance, language development, and sustained attention. While emotional benefits of physical activity span from helping children manage symptoms of stress and anxiety to reducing negative feelings, improving their sleep, and increasing their self-efficacy and feelings of success and self-worth. Physical activity participation in the early years can also help enhance children's social skills and strengthen their relationships. These are only some of the reasons why getting young kids active is so important. However, it is also important to consider how much time children spend in sedentary behaviors or behaviors that use very little energy while seated or lying down. In particular, screen-based sedentary behavior is important to minimize as it can have physical health consequences like increased fat accumulation, language delays such as less babbling from infants and smaller vocabulary of toddlers, psychosocial risks such as reduced social interaction, and poor sleep quality, which can introduce behavioral issues. These examples show that we not only need to pay attention to how active children are, but also how much sedentary time they are engaging in. Yet what might be most important is what these sedentary behaviors entail. While sedentary behaviors such as television viewing might be detrimental to children's development, not all sedentary behaviors are bad. In fact, reading, coloring, and circle time have been associated with positive cognitive health outcomes, like better executive function and working memory. Therefore, it's okay to include sedentary time in childcare programming. You just might want to be mindful of how long these blocks of sedentary time last and to break them up with movement. So in the second edition of the Physical Activity Guidelines for Americans, published in 2018 by the U.S. Department of Health and Human, Re Human Services, key guidelines for preschool-aged children indicate that children in this age group should be active throughout the day to enhance growth and development. And also that adult caregivers should encourage active play that includes a variety of activity types. While these guidelines stress the importance of including muscle and bone strengthening activities, such as running and jumping, they don't overtly specify time requirements for daily physical activity. However, they do reference the three-hour daily physical activity requirement noted within the guidelines from Canada, Australia, and the United Kingdom. 
Interestingly, the U.S. has not yet moved to the 24-hour movement behavior integrated guideline approach, which has been adopted by many other countries, which considers sleep and sedentary behavior in addition to physical activity. Further, the national guidelines leave out children under the age of three. Other national organizations, such as Shape America, have helped to fill this gap, although there is a small fee to download the detailed guidelines. The set of guidelines includes specific time requirements for different physical activity play experiences, such as requiring dedicated time for both structured and unstructured physical activity. They also give helpful tips for caregivers on how to encourage movement for each age group. From a more global perspective, in 2019, the World Health Organization published 24-hour movement guidelines for children under the age of five that provide recommendations for healthy levels of physical activity, sedentary behavior, and sleep for young children's development. These guidelines follow the same format as guidelines which were co-created by Canada and Australia and have been adopted by many other countries, including the United Kingdom, New Zealand, and South Africa. With so many countries on board, this allows for consistent global messaging about movement behaviors, while also allowing for global comparisons regarding guideline compliance for different age groups. So for physical activity, the World Health Organization recommends that infants are active several times per day and should engage in at least 30 minutes of tummy time daily. Toddlers and preschoolers are recommended to achieve at least 180 minutes of total physical activity per day. And for preschoolers, this should include at least 60 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity, which is heart pumping physical activity that includes things like running and jumping. For sedentary behavior, infants, toddlers, and preschoolers are not recommended to be sedentary or restrained for more than an hour at a time. Further, screen viewing is not recommended for children under the age of two and should be limited to one hour per day for children that are two years of age or older. Recommended hours of good quality sleep vary by age group. Infants zero to three months of age should receive 14 to 17 hours of sleep per day, while infants four to 11 months of age should receive 12 to 16 hours daily. This daily sleep requirement decreases for toddlers and preschoolers who are recommended to receive 11 to 14 and 10 to 13 hours of sleep per day, respectively. While no American data currently exists regarding young children's 24-hour movement guideline adherence, evidence from Canada shows that only 11.9% of toddlers and 12.7% of preschoolers meet all three components of the 24-hour guidelines and this is largely due to poor screen time compliance. In Australia, infants have exhibited very poor overall guideline compliance with screen time and tummy time recommendations demonstrating the lowest level of adherence. Movement behaviors like physical activity and sedentary behavior are established in early childhood. These behaviors tend to track into later childhood, adolescence, and adulthood, which is why it is highly important for children to develop healthy movement habits in early childhood to set a healthy trajectory for their lifetime. So now let's move into the role of the childcare environment specifically in promoting healthy movement behaviors among young children. 
the childcare environment is an ideal venue to support young children's development of healthy habits. In developed countries, roughly half of infants and toddlers and 85% of preschoolers attend childcare. And many of these children spend the majority of their weekday waking hours in these settings. However, children have been noted to spend nearly three quarters of their time in childcare sedentary, stressing the importance of intervening in these settings to support increased movement. Different factors of the childcare environment have been noted to influence young children's movement behaviors in childcare. First, the frequency and duration of outdoor play opportunities has been associated with children's physical activity. In fact, young children are 10 times as active outdoors at childcare compared to indoors. The environment and equipment offerings of a childcare setting also greatly influence children's movement behaviors while in care. It's been noted that when childcare spaces are open concept and of larger outdoor play areas, children are more active. Portable play equipment like balls, hula hoops, and tricycles also promote higher activity levels as children have to move while engaging with them. With children spending nearly three quarters of their day sedentary, it's no surprise that sedentary opportunities can influence children's movement behaviors. If daily programming centers on activities that are completed while sitting or chairs and playhouses are prominent during free play, Sedentary behavior is going to dominate children's movement behavior profiles. Policies and regulations also shape children's movement behaviors while in childcare. Whether by state-specific regulations or childcare center-specific policies, children who attend ECE settings that have physical activity requirements and screen time limits have been noted to be more active and less sedentary than children attending centers without such guidelines. Finally, one of the most influential factors of the childcare setting that influences children's movement behaviors in care is the early childhood educator. Educators' programming, teaching practices, and their own movement behaviors can largely influence how active children in their care are. In addition to factors influencing children's movement behaviors while in childcare that I noted on the previous slide, I will also briefly highlight some of the more recent developments in the ECE literature with respect to outdoor active play. These include risky play, loose parts play, and natural playgrounds. Risky play involves activities that are thrilling and exciting, but may involve a chance of physical injury. It provides opportunities for challenge, testing limits, exploring boundaries, and learning about injury risk. And the bonus of this type of play is that children engage in more physical activity. There are six categories of risky play. Play at heights involves climbing up to, balancing on, or jumping off of high surfaces. Play at high speeds can include running or riding a bike really fast or rolling down a hill. Rough and tumble play can include more than just roughhousing, like having a sword fight with sticks or pool noodles. Play with tools allows children to explore how to use things like shovels, hammers, knives, and screwdrivers, while play near elements shows children how to play safely near fire and running water. Finally, play with a chance of getting lost can give children a sense of freedom and independence, and can include games like hide and seek, jumping into a pile of leaves, or exploring in a forest. While each child's level of comfort with risky play will be different, 
It's important to provide children the opportunity to engage in these play behaviors frequently. Loose parts play is also gaining a lot of traction in the childcare pedagogy space, and its premise may take you back to your own play experiences in early childhood. Loose parts play involves play with everyday items, like kitchen utensils or cardboard boxes, or play with natural elements, like sticks, tree stumps, and pebbles. This type of play invites movement through curiosity. Children can create obstacle courses, build houses, or make music, and all while moving, risk-taking, and problem-solving. Natural playgrounds are another great example of making play spaces conducive to movement. In contrast to fixed play structures like slides, swings, and playhouses, natural playgrounds create environments that can be used more than just one way. They often incorporate elements that encourage risky play and climbing, which is great for both motor development and for developing children's self-confidence. So now that we know a little bit more about how the childcare environment can influence young children's movement, I'll go over some of the strategies that can be used to make the most of the childcare day with regard to promoting physical activity. So in module three of our e-learning course that we created, we go over seven strategies that can be used to maximize movement in early learning environments. We teach educators how to set goals, be mindful of their behaviors, program physical activity, minimize sedentary time, create active childcare settings, create policies supportive of movement, and how to partner with families. In terms of setting goals for young children's movement behaviors in childcare, it is important to first assess your ECE settings movement behaviors. Completing something like the Appetite to Play Healthy Eating and Physical Activity Self-Assessment Tool, for example, can help educators know where they may need to focus more of their attention. If you capture that QR code there, it'll take you right to the self-assessment tool. Once completing the self-assessment tool, based on the areas needed improvement, educators can follow the STAR process. First, educators can create an action plan that includes daily and weekly goals and schedule their days to meet these goals. The next step is to track how they are progressing to meet these goals, which could involve writing down the frequency and duration of outdoor play sessions, the number of active transitions between tasks, or the time given for unstructured play daily. As educators work to achieve their daily and weekly goals, they may notice that their strategies might not be working to encourage physical activity. For example, if the goal is to increase outdoor playtime with the hope of increased physical activity during outdoor play sessions, but children seem to settle into sedentary outdoor play more often than not, it might be a good idea to start a fun active game or remove outdoor seating areas to help maximize movement during this time. Finally, after some time has passed to let the new routine sink in, reassessing progress using the same self-assessment tool can help identify whether educators met their goals and to identify new areas of focus. Early childhood educators are young children's primary daytime role models, so it comes as no surprise that their behaviors are highly influential on children in their care. Behaviors like role modeling, co-participation, and verbal prompting can help encourage movement among young children. When educators are active role models, research has shown that children are active too. When educators participate in active play with children, 
it can show them that physical activity is fun. Even verbal prompts, like asking a child if they want to try the new jump ropes, or congratulating a child on climbing to the top of the climber, can also boost children's motivation to be active. It's also important to be cognizant of the way that you handle punishments and rewards. Withholding physical activity and outdoor play as punishment, or using screen time as a reward, can create unhealthy associations with these behaviors that can stick with children as they get older. Physical activity, particularly outdoors, can help children regulate their emotions, so it's critical to ensure such opportunities are available to all children daily. Based on research, it's highly possible that incorporating more movement and outdoor time into daily programming can help minimize behavioral issues among children to begin with. In terms of programming physical activity, this can be as simple as involving children in daily activities like hanging coats and putting away toys, or deliberately teaching fundamental movement skills. Showing children how to throw different sized objects or balance on a variety of surfaces can help progress their fundamental movement skills and help them be more competent, confident, and motivated to try new skills and activities. When planning gross motor time for infants, it's important to incorporate lots of tummy time and floor-based play and to be creative with these offerings. To make tummy time more enjoyable for infants not yet crawling, you can try putting pom-poms in a Ziploc bag with water for a fun sensory experience, do tummy time on a yoga ball to help their vestibular system, play with different textured fabrics, or set up books in a circle around them. These activities will help infants develop core, neck, and back strength, while also encouraging them to turn their head and reach and grasp objects. Once infants are closer to crawling, cruising, and walking, it's important to ensure gross motor play encourages these skills. Placing toys just out of reach, whether crawling, cruising, or walking, will encourage infants to move towards the toys to reach and grasp them. To prepare an infant for cruising and walking, incorporating climbing activities can help develop overall strength and stability, like going upstairs or climbing a stack of cushions. Play areas that are conducive to cruising have lots of levels and textures that allow the infant to walk along, like couches, tables, and ramps. Once cruising, push toys can help infants have dynamic support while they explore their surroundings, so these are great to have on hand as well. When infants begin to walk, getting down to their level will make play more exciting. Introducing toys like balls, hula hoops, and pool noodles during this stage will be beneficial for infants to learn to walk while holding different sized objects, which will eventually translate well into more complex locomotor, balance, and manipulative skills. Programming time for both structured and unstructured physical activity for toddlers and preschoolers may be challenging, but these play experiences can be coupled together to enhance movement. When structured physical activity is followed by unstructured play, Children take ideas from structured activities and incorporate them into their own play experiences. This can be especially important and helpful when teaching fundamental movement skills or introducing new play equipment. Finally, when programming physical activity, educators should aim to include opportunities for outdoor, risky, and loose parts play, as children have consistently been found to engage in more physical activity particularly at higher intensities within these contexts. 
The creativity in these active play experiences can keep children engaged for hours on end, and these play opportunities require very little, very little setup. In conjunction with programming physical activity, minimizing sedentary time should also be a focus in early childhood education settings. Experts recommend that screen viewing should not be part of the regular childcare day, given that it is largely detrimental to overall development in early childhood, and because many children probably are exposed to enough screen time outside of care hours already. Other things to consider to break up long periods of sitting include active breaks, like using a brief movement and action song when kids have been seated for a while, or incorporating blocks of active learning instead of seated circle time. There are many examples online for active learning lessons for literacy, numeracy, and science, and this is a great way to keep children's focus during lessons as well. Active transitions are when children are instructed to, let's say, crawl like bugs from the coat room to the carpet after coming in from outside, or to hop on one foot to the classroom door while they're waiting for their classmates to get in line. Adding in movement can make these transitions purposeful and not just wasted time. When designing your indoor and outdoor spaces for activity, there's a few things to keep in mind. Moving furniture around to create more open spaces will be more conducive to movement, and removing chairs during active playtime can help deter sedentary play. You can also create invitations for movement, like using peel and stick footprints or shapes on the floor, which will spark children's creativity when moving from one place to another. common barrier to indoor physical activity is the size of the space. Ideas that may help include using hallways, getting outdoors, or going out into the neighborhood. Doing activities standing in one place, like Simon Says or Balloon Keep Up, and breaking up into smaller groups can help make the room seem bigger with more space to move per child. A few other ways to optimize the childcare setting for movement include only using strollers and high chairs for transportation and feeding, ensuring diverse portable play equipment is always available, and integrating loose parts into every play space. Rotating portable play equipment and loose parts will also help maintain novelty and keep children moving and engaged for longer. While it's not overtly common to have a comprehensive policy on physical activity and sedentary behavior in childcare settings, having concrete guidelines to follow will help achieve targets for movement behaviors. Encouraging your childcare center director to recommend daily time allotments for outdoor play, physical activity, and consecutive sedentary time is a good place to start. Enforcing a no screen time policy is also considered best practice. The policy can also detail recommendations for things like active breaks and transitions or structured activities targeting fundamental movement skills. To make things easier for those working in early learning settings, the World Health Organization recently released standards for healthy eating, physical activity, sedentary behavior, and sleep in early childhood education and care settings, with a toolkit describing how to implement these standards. This document would be a great starting place for childcare settings to consider implementing any form of healthy eating or movement behavior policy. So make sure to capture the QR code and save the link for reference.
There are four standards that are mentioned in the WHO standards for ECE environments, and these include building children's knowledge and skills around healthy eating and movement behaviors, providing supportive environments for healthy eating and movement behaviors, working with families and caregivers, and ensuring children's safety during play opportunities. As you can see, we've covered many of these concepts earlier in this presentation. The toolkit also describes five different enabling factors and actions to help implement the WHO standards. First, identify a lead organization to oversee implementation of the WHO standards. Second, organizations should look to dedicate appropriate funding and resources to support implementation of the standards, like investing in portable play equipment and ensuring the standards are communicated to educators and parents and guardians via print and online resources. Third, build workforce capacity by way of identifying core competencies for educators regarding healthy eating and movement behavior promotion and providing time for educators to partake in professional development. Fourth, use evidence to inform policy and practice by developing tools for educators to use to monitor implementation of the standards. Gathering feedback from educators about implementation will also be valuable in identifying any resource needs. Finally, partnering with community stakeholders like recreation facilities and universities can help early childhood education settings develop a network of support to help implement the standards. Toolkit goes into much more detail than I have in this presentation, so I'd recommend this resource if you are interested in implementing the WHO standards in your child care setting. Finally, most of us know that in the early years, parents, guardians, and caregivers all work together to support young children's development. For this reason, it is important to communicate with parents and guardians regarding healthy physical activity and sedentary and screen behaviors in early childhood so that they can better understand the focus on play-based learning and childcare, and also so they can provide consistent messaging and play experiences at home. One of the main barriers to active outdoor play in ECE settings is clothing and footwear. To mitigate any issues, you can try providing parents and guardians with a list of acceptable active and outdoor play attire to ensure children are dressed to play. You can also ask families for donations to have on hand in case some parents can't afford to buy these items for their children, or if parents forget to dress their child appropriately for the weather. To conclude, engaging in regular physical activity and appropriate sedentary behaviors are important for young children. The child care setting, including the physical environment, program offerings, and teaching behaviors of educators can largely influence children's movement. We can help encourage healthy movement behaviors in ECE settings by setting goals, being mindful of our behaviors, programming physical activity, minimizing sedentary time, creating active childcare settings, creating policies, and partnering with families. Now, I know that was a lot of information to go through in such a short time, so I made sure to leave enough time for lots of questions, and I'm more than happy to answer anything regarding the presentation itself or where you can go for more information or more about our research in the Child Health and Physical Activity Lab.
All right. Thank you, Dr. Bruins. Um, if anybody has any questions, please go ahead and type them in um, and I can read them and, and get them answered. Um, while we're waiting for questions, I have a few written down. Um, I was just wondering, um, you know, all of the benefits that we know comes from physical activity in early childhood. How do you think COVID has impacted um, kind of the trajectory of the benefits of physical activity when so many early childhood centers were closed or, um, you know, children were much further apart and maybe not sharing like items that you would have in the uh, the loose play type stuff? Yeah, for sure. Um, our research lab has done a little bit of work in that area, um, just seeing the impact of COVID on children and families' um, physical activity habits. Um, so a lot of what we have found recently is that, yes, children are exposed to more screen time, um, but we did find that outdoor play was probably the biggest helpful thing that parents used to uh, keep their children active, engaged, and busy. Um, so I know outdoor play was a big facilitator for that, but it also depended on the type of living situation. So whether a child lived in a neighborhood that was safe, um, had access to parks and things like that. Um, so I think it's definitely impacted children's movement behaviors, especially with the socialization piece that comes with it in childcare settings, given that childcare settings were closed for the most part um, in a lot of areas for extended periods of time and children were stuck at home with either siblings or close neighbors that were there. Um, so I think the socialization piece was missed a lot, but I think kids will be resilient enough to rebound from that. Great, thank you. I have a question. Do you find that teachers embrace these excellent suggestions or show resistance? <laughs> uh, it's kind of a trade-off there. Some of them are super gung-ho about implementing them, especially if they are active themselves or um, learned about these things in school. Um, others are a little more resistant or are gung-ho about it, but can't seem to find the time to integrate it during the day just with all the other curriculum requirements that are required in these settings. Um, so I think the supports is definitely the biggest facilitator we can provide for educators to encourage more of this, um, especially in terms of just resources for activity ideas or ways to integrate more movement and less sedentary behavior. So just having a lesson standing up at a table instead of sitting at a table, um, things like that. Um, but I think the policy piece is probably going to be the biggest driver of kind of widespread change in this area. Um, just because if they have to do it, they're going to have to provide resources on how to do it well and how to do it with ease. So I think I think the biggest thing is providing educators with the supports that they need to do this and the background training to understand why it's needed. So we're waiting for more questions. Um, I thought the risky play was really interesting. Um, but I also wonder about the liability that centers might be taking on with that. I know in the U.S. I don't see a lot of the kind of the risky play set up. Mm -hmm. um, is there a lot of resistance to that type of play or physical activity? Yeah, there's a little bit of it. Um, but I think the benefits have started to outweigh the potential consequences and liability with that. 
Um, so there's been more education around, like risky play doesn't have to be anything super dangerous. It doesn't have to be a child climbing to the top of a tree. Like risky play could be a child going across a balance beam if that's their comfort level. Um, but I think the the best thing to do is to educate parents on why it's important and kind of have that open communication with educators and then giving educators strategies on encouraging risky play without having any danger. So uh, the thing that they're encouraging in Canada is to kind of be a lifeguard supervisor where you can just openly supervise. And then if you see any red flags, you can intervene. Um, but the, the thing to do is just to let children explore their boundaries and be there if, if they need help, um, but to also try to give them the tools to, to engage in that play themselves by act, asking open-ended questions instead of saying, be careful. Um, you should really just ask them, do you feel safe? What's your next move? Uh, that will just help children process the situation better and kind of engage in more of that problem solving and um, just the the risk benefit analysis. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, when I see kids about to fall, you almost catch your breath, but you don't want them to see your fear. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if there's if you've done any research or you know of research related to the gender of the early childhood educator and physical activity in the classroom, like if it's a male or a female. Fortunately, in terms of research, there really isn't enough male educators in Canada to conduct the analyses like with male versus female educators. Um, but I know there is research in the school age um, realm with kids being more active in gym class if it's a male educator. Um, but I think there needs to be definitely more more research into this in the early childhood education space, but also that um, girls and boys from a young age are kind of conditioned to engage in different play experiences. So oftentimes girls are encouraged more to engage in more sedentary kind of make-believe play, whereas boys are encouraged to go out and run or things like that. So we're trying to include, we included some content in our e-learning course, just kind of making educators aware that these are things that they should be kind of thinking about when they're, when they're engaging with their children and making sure to have kind of like the equity focus and making sure play experiences are open and offered to all children, regardless of gender or sex. Anyone have any other questions for Brianne? Not seeing any others come in. I will throw my clock info up in case there are any other questions that you can't think of now or come to you later. Um, we do have a lot of great resources on our website as well. Um, just kind of the research we've done and different links there if you're interested. Thank you. Yes, excellent. Thank you. I was going to ask the question about gender differences among mm -hmm. the early childhood. Um, mm -hmm. So thank you for answering that. Uh, just yeah. a reminder to everyone, when I close the webinar, there's a short survey. Um, and also we'll try to get the feed, the follow-up email out to you by end of day tomorrow uh, with your CEU certificate, the recording, and your handout. Um, 
please check the SNEB website for up, more upcoming um, webinars. Journal, we'll have Journal Club again on Monday. Um, and then also we're hoping to launch conference registration uh, maybe as early as tomorrow. So there are um, in-person opportunities as well as virtual opportunities for this year's annual conference. Um, we're going to be finishing up the abstract document this weekend. So a lot of great programming and information available um, through the meeting. So again, thank you, um, Dr. Bruns, for the presentation and look forward to seeing you back online for another SNEB webinar. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Yeah, if you have any more questions, just shoot me an email or contact me on Twitter, and I'm happy to answer any questions about our e-learning course or any other topics that I included in this presentation today. Excellent. Thank you.